hormones, menopause, breast cancer, enough. How do we manage it all? Hi, I'm Maggie. And I'm Dina. And this is the show where we get real and raw about breast cancer, the fear, the love, the changes, the surprising gifts, and the celebrations in it all. At the end of the episode, we will be asking you to share your real and raw insight from this conversation. Are you ready to dive into today's episode? Welcome back, all of our heel inside and out listeners. Um, I have some words to throw out there before we launch into our topic today. Think about tamoxifen, eczemestane, letrozole, anestrozole. Guess what we're going to talk about? Those are words that some people will just start to panic about. Mm-hmm. The fear just starts to increase when they hear those words, those those medications, you know, and that's I, and I know where we're going with this today. And I'm just really looking forward to this conversation because it's been something that a lot of people have been asking me about and myself being on one of these medications. So mm-hmm. let's dive in. Um, yeah, and I would agree with you. When you think about breast cancer, there's some types that are affected by hormones, and both you and I were diagnosed with the triple positive, which is estrogen and progesterone, which I happen to be like estrogen extra positive, progesterone extra positive, and then the HER2 positive. Yep. And what happens, and you know this better than I do because you're a nurse, but those, if you imagine, the breast cancer cells have little receptors on them Mm -hmm. and I'm making little movements with our, my hands, which our listeners can't see, but, (laughs) and they, they, they attach to the estrogen and the progesterone, which helps them grow. Right. Right. And that's why it's such a aggressive form because the mutation of them and because they latch on just multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. And that's, yeah, that's a scary thing. And that is, that is very scary. And just to give just a little bit more background um, to our listeners is when I got diagnosed, I had my MRI and I've had, you know, my uh, mammograms and whatnot. And then they did one right before I started my chemo. So it was a month span from the time I got diagnosed to the time I started my chemo and the mutation doubled in size. So my tumor doubled in size. Wow. In one month. Wow. Yeah. That was pretty scary. That was very fearful. It was like, okay, let's do this now. Okay. So I'm just going to do a quick shout out too, that this, that we cannot ever underestimate the importance of regular mammograms. Yes. Getting checked, checking yourself and never hesitating to go in if you feel something is off. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. So I always I've always told my clients and my patients that it's better to be safe than sorry. 
And Mm -hmm. I even used that phrase, even when I was an EMT riding for the local fire department in my town, when people like, I'm so sorry I bothered you. You know, somebody might be else's might be more sick than me. And I'm like, rather be safe than sorry. Yep. Yep. So, and so Dina, that like the hormone therapy is then the treatment that stops those hormones from attaching to those cancer receptors, right? Yes. And, and because that therapy, I believe, um, correct me if I'm wrong or add to this piece, but I believe that it can reach cancer cells beyond just those in the breast, which is why yes. it makes it highly recommended post-surgery and treatment for those of us that had the hormone positive cancer to actually take this hormone therapy treatment for four or five years after. Right, right. And it all depends on the practitioner as well. I mean, you said four or five years. My practitioner is like 10 years. Oh, you know, and that's that was something that was difficult to swallow because I'm in my seventh year of being in remission, although it's six years on the medication. Okay. So, or the hormone blocker. So, you know, technically I have another four years of this, Mm. which four more years, you know, I do have side effects and we're going to discuss them in a minute because we both deal with a lot of side effects and the side effects that we're going to talk about, some people that, that might be listening might not have, you know, breast cancer. They might be a caregiver to somebody who's going through it or they're listening because they want to hear about it because they are, they're afraid that maybe one day they might get it. But a lot of these signs and symptoms of the medication we're on is the same side effects or symptoms of menopause. And and this is this is what blows me away <laughs> is I know we were talking about this a little while I, ago. Yeah, and how many women are there? That's my that's my whole question. How many women are there? <laughs> and you think about this topic is not number 1 talked about enough and number mm-hmm. 2 there aren't enough experts about it out there. And no. so it, so just as a woman with woman with menopause, there are different things that you can research and find out how to treat, um, right. like, you know, women taking hormone replacement therapies and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But in this situation that we're talking about with hormone positive breast cancer, you can't do those things to help you navigate those symptoms. Cancer throws you into menopause, right? Mm -hmm. And then you can't treat the symptoms in the ways that are known about, if you will. Right, right. Because what's known is, you know, taking hormones. It's the hormone replacement, like we said. And it's, it's tough enough going through menopause and if you're that age and then getting diagnosed with with you know breast cancer or another type of cancer and then i keep thinking about you know people that are younger let's say in their 30s who 
let's say get her to triple positive and now they're they they they're not nowhere near as menopause yet and now they're thrown into it mm-hmm. you know, were so you dina were you in i was pre-menopause? i was perimenopause yep. so was i yep yep and then that this just was like beep, you're over the you're over on the other side of the fence now <laughs> yep exactly <laughs> you know so we have to deal with the hot flashes, the night sweats. I call them night sweats because mine are at night. Mine are like wee hours in the morning, like four o'clock in the morning. Mm. You know, the leg cramps, the mm. restless leg syndrome thing that I got going on. It's like, I'll I'll lay on the couch with, with my hubby and it'd be like, my legs keep moving. And he's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, it's the legs again, honey. <laughs> and and do you find that like like at night, especially with my restless leg, I have to tighten and loosen and tighten and loosen because it's almost like there's little Pac-Men in there yeah, that are driving exactly. me nuts and I have to keep tightening them up. To me, it's like this little electric impulse going eh, 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 like tapping me. It's like with the sound me. as well. It's that ear <laughs> <Yes>. sound. <laughs> And then I don't know, Maggie, if you get this, but every so often I get my calves cramp up. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Random. On a day where I feel like I had plenty of water, my electrolytes or whatever else, it'll just cramp up like there's no. Absolutely. uh, Absolutely. I I will say it just to add a a side effect in there that fascinates me is um, this whole and I know you share this one with me, but joint pain. And what's interesting is they, they, I don't know if it's widespread or not, but my medical team called it arthralgia. You can say it better than arthralgia. (laughs) Arthralgia. Yep. (laughs) And when I was, I've been, I'm on my third kind of hormone blocker because they've been just trying to switch to the one that's least impactful on my joints. Cause that is my worst symptom my most intense symptom, I should say. And when I went in and was asking all of these questions, he's like, well, yeah, you have arthralgia. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, is that a fancy way to say arthritis? And he was like, (laughs) yeah, it's joint pain. So my bones and my joints, especially when I get up in the middle of the night, this is okay. Dina, this is like Mm -hmm. embarrassing to, talk about, but it's like when I get up to go to the bathroom, I have to go into our guest bathroom so I can lower myself down with something mm-hmm. on either side of me because I can't just plop down on the toilet like right. I used to be. It hurts. To. I don't have the strength. Right. And the strength, the strength of the muscles, yes. the pain in the joints. On top of it, I originally was diagnosed before the cancer with osteoarthritis in my right knee. Now being on the letrozole, now I have osteopenia. Mm. So, which can turn into osteoporosis. So the bones are starting to get weaker. And, you know, there's times if I'm going to go do something, like even get up on a stepladder, my brain is telling me, all right, you need to be very, very careful because if your knee goes out and you fall and you break something, here we go. 
So now breast cancer in remission, osteoarthritis, osteopenia could turn into osteoporosis. And every time I go walking or like, I'm really watching where I step, what I climb, what I, you know, if I want to get something underneath the kitchen cabinet, I got to put one knee down on the ground because I can't squat like a, a, a catcher, a baseball catcher. You know, there are yoga poses. We're going to talk about some alternative methods, but yoga is one of them. And there's certain poses I cannot do and because just, of my knees. I, I was just going to say because of my knees, which I have always taken for granted. I was I was a swimmer and I had I had bad knees and like a senior when I was a senior in high school because my stroke was breaststroke, which is like the frog kick. Right. So I had yeah. <laughs> rough knees then and then it got better and I never thought about it again. I can't even sit Indian style now for more than a nope. minute. Nope, and neither can I. I'm used to that. So now it kills me. And to your point, there's certain yoga moves I'm trying to do that I can't do anymore, which is, you know, it, it's it's devastating. When you are used to certain activities, and it's not like we're 90, right? Right. So, but you just, the way you talked about your osteopenia, it's like my, this is where fear comes in, right? With Mm -hmm. all of the joint and bone pain, my fear that I battle and try to what if it and and replace it, um, I fear permanent damage. Because with the pain we have, how do you not, how do you not imagine it always being there? Yeah. Because it's It's, it's so loud. It's, it's, it's so true. And I'm going to go into one symptom that's very, very taboo for a lot of women. And the bottom line is the vaginal dryness. And it is something that, you know, it happens during menopause. And like I said, it, if you're a younger woman who's who's thrown into menopause because of your breast cancer, now that whole concept of intercourse, it hurts, it's painful, it's dry, it's, you know, it's just like, don't come near me. And then the libido that we have is lower than it was. So now there's... Okay, let's add that to the to to the mix right. of all this. Yes, and <laughs> the I joint was, pain, the muscle pain. No. Well, and all of them have their own, like a whole set of emotions that go with them. Like you said, if someone is especially young, I mean, it's hard for us yeah. at our age. But if someone is young, I was just talking to a woman who's in her mid thirties, and she is dating, and she mm. is beside herself because. She doesn't, her, like you say, her libido's down. She doesn't want, yeah. it hurts. She doesn't want to have sex. And it's just, it's so, it's so hard. And like you said, it is more of a taboo um, discussion, but again, here yeah, it's real and raw. And that's one of the real and raw items. Right. And the key to that is truly just being open-minded about it, being self-aware of it. Having the conversation, it's going to be a hard conversation with your significant other, but it's a conversation that needs to be, it needs to get done, mm-hmm. you yes. know, without a doubt. Agree. You know, Communication key. <clears throat> yes. You know, it's difficult. 
If it's, nothing it's, else, it might not change, obviously, what is happening or what the situation is. But if nothing else, it helps you feel you're not sitting and spinning around stories you're telling yourself or worries or guilt or all the stuff with the other person. You're just having the conversation and that will feel better. Right, right. And another one that normally that truly happens during menopause. And like we said, now that we're, you know, because of our breast cancer is insomnia is, Mm. is the sleep patterns that we have. And, you know, when people say insomnia, that they're up for hours and hours and hours, but just even your sleep pattern of not waking up like three or four times in the night, whether you have to urinate or you got the leg cramps or, you know, you just, you woke up now, it takes you an hour to go back to bed. It's those kinds of things. It's the uninterrupted sleep that throws everything else off. Yeah. So that's a great segue into some alternative stuff because I yes. know you and I have some different things and, and for insomnia itself, like there's whole bedroom bedtime Routine. routines <laughs> that you can put in place. Right. And yes. for me, I thought bedroom because I know you like a dark room and your eyes yes. thing on and all of that. Yep. <laughs> I wear a mask now. I never thought I would ever, but I wear a mask. I don't keep my phone in my bedroom. Um, the nightlight that's normally in there, I keep it there for my husband, you know, because he he gets up to go to the bathroom and there's a little bit of light, but that's why I wear the eye mask, you know, and yeah. there is, it's got to be dark now. And I do some deep breathing before I go to bed. Sometimes I might go into the bedroom and journal for a little while and get my feelings out mm-hmm. or whatever going on. So yes, or I listen to my Calm app you know, like maybe a five minute meditation for sleep. The the app calm has specific topics that you could use. Yeah. One is for sleep. And that's, so for me, it's insight timer and I love the sleep, um, the sleep specific, either soundscapes or meditations or breath work on there. And I actually bought a pair of like a headband headset because my mm-hmm. husband cannot hear anything or it will wake him up. <laughs> so I used to listen to like water, ocean waves, and he would just be, I'd get the eyebrow and he'd be like, yep. are you kidding me right now? So <laughs> I I wear my headband and I listen to those sounds and it helps. It helps me sleep. And the breath work to your point too. And I'm still yeah. working on the no device thing. Yeah, but, it's 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 a practice. Yeah, you know, it is. I'm not, you know, it's not. Not always 100% with me. It's not every single night, but for the majority of the time it is, you know, and I'm going to go back to the taboo one of vaginal dryness is because there are a lot of natural suppositories, you know, that Mm -hmm. we can use to rejuvenate the vaginal area. Yep. There's There's some very reasonably priced. Right. All natural ones, like you say. Right. And, you know, there's also, I've tried acupuncture. I know you have tried acupuncture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's one other thing that you take. So for my, specifically for my joint and joint pain. pain and my, I take beet pills. And what is 
fascinating to me. Beets are so good. It's anti-inflammatory, right? But yep. they're so good when I miss a couple days in a row. It's so obvious that I've missed it and I can just take them and yeah. get right back on track. So my beet pills, I won't live without. Um, I take mm-hmm. beef, beef liver pills. Um, I won't eat the stuff, but I'll take <laughs> take it in pill form. <laughs> and then I, um, I actually also magnesium is another thing that I have to take every day for the leg cramps and the restless leg. Right. It helps. Right. It helps. Mm -hmm. So those are, I mean, there's plenty of alternatives and obviously you have to find what works for you. Right. Um, But try things, explore and practice and just see which things help since we can't take the, replacement their hormone replacement therapies because we're trying to block them we've got to find other ways right right and and i can't stress enough that we are not recommending to take or not to take you know the bottom line it's always important to check in with your healthcare provider you know but i would love our listeners to once again remember to advocate for themselves Yes. So important. So important. And as you're in those doctor appointments, making sure that you're asking your questions, they are answering your questions, your questions. Your, you know, that you're, you're sure that you're getting the answer, not necessarily the answers you want, but that they've answered mm-hmm. the question. And then if they're not the answers you want, or that makes sense to you, consider a second opinion, because ultimately right. the choice is yours, but mm-hmm. make sure to consult those medical folks. Um, yes. And just as a parting phrase, which we all know healing truly is inside and out. So here is to your ongoing healing, everyone. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found value in today's episode. And remember to share your real and raw insights with us by going to healinsideandout.com where you can also find additional information and resources.